0: <laughs> okay, sure. thank you for joining, and thank you for inviting us, Chicago Breslev, Bo Hashem, and uh, all those who participated, I guess, in this nice uh, meal, whatever, Bo Hashem. Uh, we have something very special today to go into, and the class will be divided in two parts. The first part is the main theme, and the second part is the follow-up called... The 40 recording day recording in progress. Oh, thank you. That's what I needed to hear. Only now <laughs> your internet connection <laughs> is not stable. Again. Is yeah, what we gonna do? He said it's a good Wi Fi. Go good, i mind watching from home. Okay, she said it's good. Thank you. Okay, so the second part will be presenting to you something which I guess is the first time in 200 years that it's presented in this format. It's called the 40 day challenge, and I'll explain why it's 200 years around. Bizetashi. First. We're going to go into a lesson from Rabbi Nachman, but the background for this point that we want to bring out is from a story in the Gemara, Masechet Bechorot, page 8b, the story of the wise men of Athens. If you are a bit familiar with Feldheim publications for the past 30 years, you'll remember that the Feldheim put out a book called The Juggler and the King, which is the Vilna Gaon's insights on the stories of the Gemara, where the Vilna Gaon also opens up his deep interpretation on this story. We are going to go into Rav Nosin's explanation. Rav Nosin, if you know who he is right now, you should. Rav Nosin was Rabbi Nachman's main disciple and he wrote a, his magnum opus in an eight volume set called Likutei Alachot, where he opens up the entire Torah from the lens of Rabbi Nachman's okay. teachings. So Rav Nosin he goes into this story from the Gemara because uh, Rabbi Nachman said that it was his wish to delve into the secrets behind all the story. Rabbi Nachman in the and he only goes into the actual challenges between the wise man of Athens and Rabbi Yushab bin Khanan. We're going to explain the details of the story soon. And he said it was his wish to have gone into the entire story, but he didn't. Didn't lie style milta. It didn't work out. Didn't happen. But Rav sort of Nosson felt it as an as a motivation for him to bring an interpretation. The entire story. And its interpretation for Avnossin is found in English at the back of the Breast of Research Institute translation of Likute Moran, Volume 4. You can find it there at the end, Zetashem. We're going to explain the story, go into certain parts until we get to the point that we want to get into. Okay? The story starts like this that Rabbi bin Chananya, who, by the way, he's buried in Sfat. So if you're ever in Sfat with Zetashem, you have the Mikvad Ari and Ari's Askever. Below, there's a, a grave which is mistakenly called Hosea ben Be'eri. Rav Chaim Bittal in his time says that it's a mistake. Even from Darizal's time, people were calling it Hosea ben Be'eri. Until today, they call it Hosea ben Be'eri. But that's the place of Rabbi Shobin Hananiah. And he was called the Hakimah Dehudae, the wise man of the Jewish people. He was always sent on behalf of the Jewish community in Eretz Israel to Rome to speak on behalf of the Yiddin. Whenever there was need to do Pidyon or anything that needed for the Jewish community, he was the one who was sent out. And the Emperor had a nice warmth and connection to Rabbi Shubb el So once, when he was visiting Rome, Rabbi Shubb el the Emperor asked him, can you please tell me what is the gestation, pregnancy period of a snake? So he answered, he answered seven years seven years. The wise men, uh, sorry, the, 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 the emperor said it can't be because the wise men of Athens, they claim that it's only three years. So Bisho says, not true. The snake was pregnant already four years earlier. Then they, he said, he challenged, but the, but you see that the snake mates and Rashi points out on the spot that normally animals, creatures, when they get pregnant, they don't mate anymore unlike human beings. So Rishi Ben-Khanania answered, in this, snakes are like human beings, and that they continue to mate even after pregnancy. So then the, the, the emperor said, but the wise men of Athens, they're, they're pretty wise, they're chachamim. you know, we can't play games with them. So he said, and I'm smarter than them. Rishi Ben-Khania said, I'm wiser than them. So the, so the emperor said, I want you to prove it to me. I want you to bring here to me the wise men of Athens, because they were considered untouchables. Everyone was scared of them. Everyone was afraid of them. No one can get close to them. Even the emperor was scared of them because of their wit and their wisdom and their cunning and whatever they had. So he asked, Rabbi Shimon el he asked the emperor, how many are they? And the emperor said, 60. So the, Rabbi Shimon el said to the emperor, prepare me a ship, a boat with 60 rooms, and in each room 60 chairs, that's what I need. And I'll bring you the wise men of Athens. So he prepared for a big ship with 60 rooms, 60 chairs in each room, and they set sail to Athens. He gets to Athens, nobody wants to tell him where's the academy, the college of the wise men of Athens. All this is the demara. So he goes to the local butcher shop and he sees the butcher carving an animal, cutting an animal. He asked him, how much is it for your head? Which means the head of the animal. How much, uh, how much for your head? He said, for the, the head of the animal. So he answered, well, half a zoo's. So, so Rabbi Shibin Khan I put the money on the counter. So it's like a kinyan already. And he says, okay, give me your head so the butcher cuts off the head of the animal and puts it on the counter here you go i asked for your head i said your head and there was a law in athens that once you make a transaction it's completed and the transaction was based on what he said so he couldn't get out of it he said i wanted your head he said what do you what do you want me me?" He me no i want your head he said you want to get out of it yes show me the entrance to the academy of the wise men of athens he said no no don't ask this for me it's dangerous if they find out that I told you where they are, they'll kill me. So Rabbi Sheol said, no problem, we'll, we'll play a game here. We'll pretend. I want you to take a bundle of reeds, like you use for the schach, you know the bundle of reeds, put it on your shoulder, and I'll walk, follow far behind you. When you get towards facing the entrance to the college, stop, put down the, the, the bundle of reeds, pretend as if you're taking a break, like that. And like do like, like this, like a schwitzi sign, whatever, and then continue. I will know that's the entrance to the to the hidden entrance to the to the college of the wise men of Athens. So he did that. and he found he found the entrance, and he sees that the entrance guards positioned outside of the threshold of the entrance, and guards positioned on the inside, and the whole ground of the Mashkof of the threshold of the entrance was spread with subin sa- bran. Why bran? Because when a person walks on brand, the footprints are noticeable, okay? He understood this was a trick, this is something here. That no one is allowed to leave, and no one is allowed to enter. So what what, what was the idea? That the brand was pasted, was spread all over the floor. If they saw footsteps leaving, the wise men of Athens would kill the guards from the inside, because someone left. If now the footprints were going into the academy, they would kill the guards on the outside. This he saw because he saw the patrol of the wise men of Athens coming to check out that the, the guards are doing their job. And, they, and he understood they can only kill a person if he crosses entirely from point A to point B of the threshold entirely. So what did he do with <laughs> He switched his shoes backwards and he walked backwards on his sandals up to the edge of the threshold but not passing it. And the guards are saying, careful, we're gonna kill you, we're gonna kill you. But he stopped at the edge, they couldn't kill him because that's the that's the, 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 law, the rules they got. The only person who crossed entirely. And then he stepped back in his footsteps and he waited to see what would happen. The patrol came of the wise men of Athens. They see footsteps leading outside of the a college. They killed immediately the guards on the inside. When they left, and they, they recoded the brand, made it flat again. So he again walked in, but this time with proper footsteps, the shoes on properly. And he walked up to the edge of the threshold and then went back in his footsteps to wait and see. And when the patrol came again, seeing footsteps coming in, they killed the guards on the outside. So in the meantime, the entrance has no guards at all whatsoever to it. So he went right in. He gets into the academy. He sees in the main room the, the, 30, the sixty wise men of Athens split in two groups. The younger ones above on the, on the second stage, the second floor, and the older ones on the, on the main floor. So he saw this as a trick also. If he says greetings to the elders on the bottom, the older ones, the ones on top say, but we're on top, even though we're younger, we're on top. And if we would say greetings to the ones on top, cause they're on top, the older ones would say, but we're deserving of more honor cause we're on the bottom, we're the, we're the older ones, sorry. So what did he do? He said, shalom aleichu, he said, shalom to all of you. And that way he got out of this trick also. They said to him, what are you doing here? Who are you and what do you want? So he said, I'm the wise man of the Jewish people and I've come to learn from you. (laughs) They said, very well. We have a few challenges to ask you, to, to put you on the spot. So he said, very well. If you guys win me over, you can do with me as you wish. But if I win, I ask that all of you come to break bread with me, to eat with me lunch on my boat. They said, okay. So there's like about 12, 13 challenges. Rabbi Nachman from lesson, in his book Likutei Imran, from lesson 23 to 31, each lesson is dedicated to one of the challenges and Rabbi Nachman builds a whole lesson to open up the deeper hidden meaning behind each of the challenges. And they're totally ridiculous. For example, they brought him two pieces of cheese and they asked him, tell us please, which piece of cheese comes from a black goat and which one comes from a white goat? So what did he do? He brought two eggs and he says, first you tell me which comes from a white hen and which one comes from a black hen, okay? So, uh, and uh, the one we're going to go into, the one that we're going to go into today, is where they asked him, where is the center of the universe? When you hear that, you think immediately, Yerushalayim. Okay? But look what the Gemara says. They asked him, where is the center of the universe? He raised up his finger like this, and he said, right over here. And they said, prove it. Me, Amar, who says, prove it. So he said, bring aitu Ashley umoshu, bring a measuring cord and measure, and you'll see that I'm correct. Okay, we'll go we'll, we'll into to that. We'll just skip the, the arguments. Bikitzer, he, run, he won all the challenges, so they went with him to eat bread on his boat. On the way to the ship, Rabbi Shubb ibn brought with him an empty sack, and he took some earth from Athens, from the earth of the floor of Athens, put it in the bag, and then he led them on the ship one at a time, one by one. The first one, he led him onto the ship. He put him in the first room. He said, sit here. He closed the door. The wise man, what does he see? He sees 59 empty chairs. What does he assume? Oh, my comrades are coming, so I'll be waiting for them. He took the second one. He put him in the second room. And he sits down. He sees another 59 chairs. Right? He doesn't know doesn't know what's in the first room. So he locks it. He says, sit here. He closed the door. So again, he's waiting for his comrades. He did this to all the 60 in order to... Break them because when you're waiting in line, like you're going to a law's offer, right? Your lawyer's office, you know, or a court, and you're waiting and waiting and waiting, what happens? You get out of it, and then when you go to a court case, you don't know what to say anymore because you're waiting so long. So, this is a way to, to break them, to make them down a little, okay? So, he did that of all the 60. When all 60 were on the boat, he told the captain, set sail, let's go. We're going to Greece, to, 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 we're going to Rome. So, while traveling in the Mediterranean Sea from Athens to, to Rome, They passed by what's called the Bay A Bay is an eddy. What's an eddy? It's like a tornado in the sea, sucking up everything. And their ship barely passed the edge, just past the edge, and wasn't sucked into the eddy. While the ship passed the eddy, Rabbi and Khanania saw three images over the eddy in in the sea. He saw an image of someone with their hands on their head, someone with their hands on the heart, and someone with their hands behind the back. As that happened, he lowered himself. He took a jug, an empty jug. As the, as the ship was passing by the eddy, Rabbi Shumar Hananiyah lowered himself on the edge of the ship, which was like tilting towards the eddy. He went down enough that he was able to stick the jug into the water of the eddy, not the sea water, the, the eddy water, the tornado water, and he filled up the jug with that quality water and went back on to the ship. The ship arrived to Rome. And at that point, the 60 wise men were like really out of it, subdued, really down. And he brought them to the emperor. He said, behold emperor, here are the wise men of Athens. So the, king, the, the emperor didn't recognize them. These are not them. Look at these, you guys, you, you took some regular guys from the marketplace. He said, watch. He took out the bag with the earth from Athens and he sprinkled it on their faces so they smelled the homeland, their hometown, earth. They woke up and they went back into their aristocratic and Balgadunic uh, haughty attitude. And the emperor says, yeah, these, these are the, I know these guys. These are the wise men of Athens. Now I want you, Rabbi Khananya, to kill them all. He said, no problem. Bring to me an urn, an empty urn. They brought him the urn for the water. He took the jug that he had from the water from the eddy. He poured it into the empty urn. And he told the wise men of Athens the following. Your job is to fill this up with water and you can go. You want to leave? Fill this urn with water and you can go. People are watching, right? It's exciting? People well, are commenting? Uh, yeah. some kind of good so Always page. good classes come with a core right. button. Always. Okay. Right, try to restart it. Does it, uh, does it ask for so restarting? Post, it says post the profile. Uh-oh. So that uh, that means, that, that, yeah, so the it's It doesn't got so bad it doesn't start. Can you, you know how to restart it? No, but maybe I'll learn right now on the spot. You say I post it and, for, and uh, never to be deleted and then just uh, start again. These things happen. And, and this place is called Wi Fi. Chutzpah. Wi Fi. Wi Fi. They don't offer good Wi Fi. <laughs> Mama, Chutzpah. Your page, how do I go live? There's a button, there's a button on the bottom. Let's see. Mm. One second. No, oh, yeah, it's, on like, it's like the. One second, one second, one second. You're being recorded. The whole it one second, one second. Is so that background? Huh? Yep. Okay, good. Fine. So he told them, fill up the urn with this water, and you're free to go. So they brought buckets of water. They were given buckets of water, and they kept on filling up the urn with the water. And the initial water from the eddy kept on swallowing up the water that they kept on putting in. They were going nuts. This doesn't make sense. This is totally illogical, totally irrational. They kept on bringing water and it gets swallowed up. Where, where did it go? Where did it disappear? You don't see, there's a hole under the or nothing. The water was swallowing it up and they couldn't figure it out. And they couldn't accept it. So they kept on throwing in buckets of water until they all expired from exhaustion and died, okay? This is the story. Obviously, there's depth. We'll go into a few points. The rest, if you want to see the entire development from Rav Nosan, which is phenomenal. He explains every point of the story in an amazing way a few things we will go into but we want to get to the story of the, of the center of the universe. That's what we want to get to visit Hashem. One, one idea of, um, of him, there's a few things they go into really, they're all exciting, but I'll, I'll pick a few. The idea of him switching the sandals backwards and he went in like that backwards. So he says, Rav Nos, this is connected to what Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu when he started walking on Mount Sinai, when he saw the burning bush, what did Hashem tell him? Shal na'alecha take off your shoes right Keep, because you're standing on holy terrain the Zohar says on this word take off your shoes this is the woman in other words to be standing where you are based on the Zohar's interpretation you have to be told at a high level of total purity total moral purity okay so if this Rav Nelson says the idea of a tzaddik, in this case Rabbi Shubi Hanani is switching the sandals, is idea of working more on this attitude, to explain, to explain better. Rabbi Nachman says you have levels of tzaddikim. That's also in the Gemara Brachot. You have a tzaddik and what's called a tzaddik gamur, complete tzaddik. What's the difference if you remember the Gemara Brachot? That a tzaddik is still afraid of potentially sinning. He's afraid of potential falling and sinning. A complete tzaddik, he says I'm not afraid of anything. I'm already there send me any challenge you want, I can handle it. That's a tzaddik amur. A tzaddik still has it. If he were, I might fall, he's a tzaddik, yeah, but he hasn't mastered it completely that he can say, I'm not afraid, I've killed the tzaddikim at that, that, that present level, I'm not afraid anymore, okay? So he says, based on Rabbi Nachman, in his book, Tzaddik, Chaim that the idea of tzaddikim could be compared to, and I would tzaddikim in levels of tzaddikim, is compared to leather. You have, for example, you buy a fresh brand new wallet, it smells, you smell the leather, right? But you know, when you keep a, a wallet for, for over a year, it lost the leather smell. There's no more smell. Leather, the more you work at it, the less of a smell it has. So he says there are tzaddikim who are compared to that initial type of leather, where even though they're tzaddikim, but they still have a smell, a scent of their gashmiut of their physicality. Like the leather still still a smell. So you have tzaddikim who there are tzaddikim, but if you put them in a big test, there is a chance that they will fall because they're not there yet. They're not, they haven't reached the, the Olympics of the, the gold medal they're like after bronze whatever fourth level fifth level whatever okay so those are like leather that still has a smell but their tzaddikim they worked on their skin the ore, the leather they worked on themselves again and again and again until they're totally clean totally clean the classic example is Moshe okay that's why Hashem told him Sha'na Alecha take off the shoe totally in other words total separation total kedusha. these are these tzaddikim fine so there's a rule in Hasidut and in Judaism in general that when a person has an enemy, when a person has a phobia, a fear, so it's a message from Hashem, you gotta work more on yourself. And if you work more on yourself, your enemy will fall in front of you. So when, in this story, Rabbi Shabin Khananya saw the enemies, the, the guards at the doors, he said, ah, I have someone stopping me from doing my mission, and it's a fear because I can't just walk in because they'll kill me. That must mean I have to work more on myself so he switched his sandals as if to say, he worked more on developing his midot, on his sanctification and holiness and everything. And he worked partially and it killed the guards inside without him even touching them. He didn't even touch the guards. They, they were killed by themselves. Their own, the evil itself killed the guards. It did the job for, him, for himself. And then when he saw there's still guards on the outside, so again he switched, the idea of switching the sandals, like working on the leather again, and then until, until it becomes totally clean and there's no smell. So he worked on his leather, the idea of switching the sandals again, until it was at a level that even the guards outside were killed. That's the idea of the idea of a tzaddik, who when facing an enemy, he doesn't have to do anything. He has to work on himself. And Ram says this applies to every Jew. When you're faced with a major, major challenge, a major obstacle, And it's all letting you to advance. So what to do? You now turn your eyes inwards and you work on yourself. Work on what has to be done. Why is this happening to me? Because it's something more, this is like an effect of the cause. Let me work on the cause. Let me go on on a higher level. Work on myself, develop myself better. And then automatically things fall in front of you. This is what the messenger brings out over here. The idea now, let's just skip a little to the end of the story, of the urn and this water. And it's not filling up. And then he took, and, and the images he saw of the hands on the head, the hands on the heart, and the hands behind the back. Rav says, this idea of water swallowed up, swallowing up other water, is the lust for money. The Gemara: One who has one hundred. He wants two hundred, right? One who has one million, he wants two million, right? Some people they say, you know, I'll move to Earth's soil and I get my goal five million dollars, then I'll move to Etsy So what happens, they get the five million dollars. All of a sudden a nice business proposition comes to open something new. What happened to you? I I mean you so, say yeah, a new thing popped up and everything, and I had a new thing in Miami and Los Angeles. <laughs> it eats him up, it eats him up. It's something that never you can never satisfy Don't think that money will satisfy it doesn't. Right, So it's like a bay blue A, it sucks it up. It sucks up the person, his life force. Ask everyone in the world why they're running. They're running for parnasa, for money, and everything, right? That's what everyone, 99.9% of the world, that's what they spend their days doing, running after sustenance, because how else are they gonna live? How else are they gonna live, right? It's a ta'avah. because it doesn't end, it doesn't end, it doesn't end. So the images you saw is the obstacles, the, the challenges a person faces from dedicate, dedicating more time to Torah and prayer and kedusha as opposed to running for money. So for example, the first attack is on the head where the etzra says to a person, but if you don't work and you learn more and you have, how are you gonna survive? How are you gonna raise a family? How are you gonna get married? All these arguments, they attack the intellect with rationale, you know why you should dedicate your life to running after money. It's a mitzvah, you have to, go on. You have to excel yourself to the money because how else are you gonna live? So tax the head. Some people, they pass that test. The next challenge is it attacks the heart, the emotions. Look how unstable you are. You have no idea how you're gonna pay the next bill. Do you wanna live like this for the rest of your life? Okay, you see Hashem helping you, Hashem helps you. But look what you have to go through the challenges until you go through it. So some people, they hold on. Again, so I wanna make a point on the side, but Nachman said once that hefkerut is not necessary. What is hefkerut? Not what the world thinks. Hefkerut means that you know someone who doesn't doesn't work at all and he's just a parasite and he just learns and daven he depends on other people. He says they says that's not hefkerut. The opposite is where A person now has sold his life to working and doesn't daven and learn. That's hefkerut he says. But he says it hefkerut is not necessary to serve Hashem. You can have a makor for parnasa, but don't make a big deal out of it. If you have something. Make it flexible. Make it at this time for Torah study, for davening, for, for also the spiritual nourishment of your life. Visit Hashim. So it's not it's not said to be to be extreme. In this case though, people have a test, even when they're working, you have people even working eight hours a day, and they don't know how they're gonna pay their bills. And according to rationale, the only way I can pay my bills is if I, if I work 24 hours a day, and I don't know how I'm gonna do that. So the emotions are attacked. That's the hands on the heart. How are you gonna do, how are you gonna pass this test? Okay, Hashem helped you in the past. What do you do for the next test? That's, the, that's on the heart. The, wor- the person passing that test, the next one is the worst one, behind the back. This is where, A person now passed all these obstacles of gashmiut, if you want to call it like that, and now he's committing himself to Torah, but passes five years, 10 years, 20 years, and he's learning Gemara and he's learning Torah and he's more He may even moved to Eretz but he looks at himself and he feels like he didn't get anywhere in life. Look at you, the Yitzhak tells him. Look at you, look at you. You're some fat batata, fat shmash, lamazdol. You didn't get anywhere. Where did you go with your Torah? Where did it all go? Are you, are you a better davener? No. Are you more holy in your, how you eat? No. Are you holy in how you think and your eyes? Has your emunah an Look at you. You're just nowhere. In fact, you're even worse off than you were before. That's the worst. When the etzara, attacks a person showing him you didn't get anywhere in life, that's the worst. That's the third image he saw, the behind, behind the back. That's the, showing the test that people face when it comes especially to monetary issues. These are some insights. You can see the rest of the beautiful insights that Rav Nosen offers in the back of the volume four of the BRI edition of the Kutemra. We want to go in today, because we want to get to a specific point on the point of the, of the, of the exchange between the wise men of Athens and Rabush bin Khanania on the center of the universe. Again, they asked him, Em Tza'uta Da Alma Hecha, where is the center of the universe? He stuck up his finger and he said, Hacha. Zakfai Tzbata, he raised his finger and he said, "Haha right over here. They said to him, Mi yemar? who says, I and he answered, Aitu Ashlei Umoshku, bring a rope, Ashlei a rope, a cord, umoshku, moshku is make for a limbdod, measure. Measure. So Rabbi Nachman opens it up in a totally amazing dimension. He says like this, they were asking him the center of the universe, which is the infinite light, the orange Sof. The infinite light is what gives people light in this world. This light, this world by definition, is total darkness. It's called Olam. Olam in Hebrew is from the root Ha'alama, concealment. This light hides Hashem 100%. It's only because we believe that we have Yiddishkeit and Hashem in our lives. The believer sees Hashem. The atheist, the Kofre doesn't see anything. What gives any light in this world is the infinite light. Take a look at the Gemachi of the word Or. Or is one, Aleph, Vav is six, that's seven. Resh, 200, 207. 207, or is the exact same gematria as ensof. Ensof, that's one, 10, 50, 60, 6, 80, you have there 207. That any light, anyone experiences, even a goy, any light experience in this world, it's coming from the infinite light, from Hashem himself. It's just that there's a wall, there's a blockage, the light comes down, hits the blockage, so you don't see where the light is coming from, and light descends. That's why people have misconceptions of where the light is coming from, but it's coming only from Hashem. There's a wall, the Kabbalah calls it the Keter, the sphera of Keter, the crown, is what separates the world from the Creator. That's the Keter, it's the interface sphera that's above the sphera, the, the energy, energy channels. Its job is to be a blockage, to be a wall, okay? So we don't see it coming from there. They were asking Rabbi Shimon Chananya, how could a person connect directly to the infinite light? Because, he says, Rabbi Nachman, and it's quoting the Zohar in this, it's the nature and tendency of every human being that when they have an exposure of light in their life, that they run after it. When you have something good, and you see it, you put everything on the side. The classic example is Matan Torah. Matan Torah Hashem warned Moshe Rabbeinu twice, haqbele tahar, I want you to put a wall around the mountain, why? Because when the Jews see Hashem coming down on Arsini, they're just gonna flip out, forget everything and run. So you have to put a blockage so that it shouldn't happen. Why should it not happen? Because what purpose is that a person disintegrates and disappears? Hashem doesn't want that. We say in the, the machzor, in the davening of, of Yamim Noreim, vavita teila, you remember the chomer. Hashem wants to be praised from whom? From the physical corpses, from the physical existence. That's why Hashem created the world. Hashem created such a hidden world that in the hiddenness, He should be revealed. The Gemara says... That when Mashiach comes, the only chag that will continue to exist is Purim, right? Latid lavo niftalim um, lo niftalim. The chag of Purim will not be, will not cease to exist. Why? The difference between the miracles of Purim and the miracles of Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot is that Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, and all the Chagim, Zechel Mitzrayim, there there are open miracles. Ten, ten plagues, splitting of the Red Sea, you're not going to believe? When you see supernatural miracles in front of your eyes, you're not going to believe? Of course you're going to believe. Of course you're going to find. I'm not going to, I see something something out of the nature happening from my eyes, of course I'm going to believe. That's not a chidush. For Hashem, that's not an accomplishment. An accomplishment, the greatest accomplishment of Hashem is that from the physical concealment of this world, He becomes known. The timing of and Haman and Mordechai, all the timing of the Megillah and you see there is a Lord. There is a God in the world. There is a Lord. There is someone running the world. Praise the Lord, right? You have someone revealed from the physicality for 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 Hashem, this is the greatest exposure, the greatest Kiddush Hashem. That's the goal. Begin the deyishtemode'inle. The Zohar says, in order that Hashem be be made known in this world. For Hashem, that's the biggest nachas. Biggest nachas is that a person passes the challenge, earns it, and reveals the light of Hashem in the world. That's the greatest thing. So Hashem created light that shines into the world. Everyone's running after it. It comes in the format. Uh, for example, take a secular person. His ambition when he's a teenager to go on to university and college and develop up something called like a doctor or lawyer, the ambition drive is a light pushing him forward. If it wasn't that, he would stay depressed in bed all day. Right? Staying depressed all day because he has no light. The push of light is what gets people to do something. So they're asking him, since everyone has that drive and the ultimate goal is the Ein Sof, they asked, the wise men asked Rabbi Shubin Chananya, how does a person connect to this infinite light? So he raised his finger, he said, to the concept of the hands. The hands, Rabbi Nachman teaches, is the concept of bracha, blessings. Like we see by Aaron, Parashat Shachmini, by Isa Aharon et Ya'dav Ela'am, by Yivarechem. That in the inauguration, Rosh Chodesh Nisan, Aaron spread his hands, Rashi says he did the Birkat Koranim, Yivarechecha Ya'ir isa right? Then he blessed the nations. It says there, Va aharon et yadav, and he raised his hands and he blessed the nation. He blessed, um, he blessed the, the nation. From there, the Gemara and Sota learns out all the laws of Pekat Kohanim. Dukhanim has to be with the hands, sticking out. He has no hands, he can't do it. You have to, all these laws came up from that pasuk that they learned out in, in Parashat Okay, So, Bracha is associated with the hands. Yaakov Avinu, when he blessed, A blessing, always, right? Whenever bracha is transmitted, the parents' Friday night, you give bracha on your children, you put the hands on their head. Always is associated with the hands. Because the Zohar says scary things about the hands. The hands, Hashem designed the human hands that there's 10 fingers corresponding to, we don't have 11, we We're not Martians, we're not an alien creature, whatever. We don't have three or four fingers, we have five, not six, not seven. Why five and five adding to 10? Because the 10 fingers activate the channel of the ten utterances that Asar Mamar that the world was created with and by extension the ten Sfirot. The Zohar says because of this a Jew should never raise his hands empty-handed because as soon as a Jew raises his hands, he activates the channel of the ten Sfirot, Shefa's coming down and if it's not accompanied with a bracha or a prayer, so it goes instantly to the other side. That's why you have the biggest tomb of the body are the nails, right? We wake up in the morning, what do we do? Nagelvas or in Yiddish, we wash the nails. Because the biggest tum on the human body are the fingernails. And where they're located? On the same place that the Shefa comes down with the hands. So a person raises the hands, it's called rekanu, uh, empty. So God forbid, if now it doesn't rest on a prayer or a request, So it goes automatically to the Sitra Acha. The Ramak points out by the way just on the side so you don't go crazy about this. That this doesn't apply to someone who's working and putting a hammer on the wall or you have to raise your hands and exercise. Some people say even when you stretch, try not to open the fingers so you don't activate the 10. Keep your hands like fist closed, like you're stretching, don't try to open the hands. But when you're doing stuff, you're doing stuff physically for, for, for work or whatever, so it doesn't apply. It's only like a person that's walking in the forest and all of a sudden he just lifts up his arms like that to Hashem. If there's no prayer company, it's dangerous, okay? So, on all these things, the Zohar shows a connection between the hands and bracha because it is the channel of bracha, okay? But what is the main bracha in the world? The main bracha in the world is the knowledge of Hashem. Like the, like Avot says and also the Gemara Darim. It's a song by Avram Freed, right? It's a song from Avram Freed. Remember that song? Right? But it's a Pasuk, it's a, it's a, it's a Mishnah Avot. Dat Kanita Machasarta. If you have Dat of Hashem, you have everything. You're, not, you're lacking nothing. And if you don't have that, what do you have? Person can have like a 50 tiny square meter apart house in Yurushalaim and there's only bread and butter every day and there's nothing, but he's the happiest person in the world, he has dat. Another person, he has the big mansion, the four garage doors, and the five Lamborghinis, and whatever, and he's not happy, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he's always lacking, because he doesn't have the dot of Hashem in his life, okay? So the main bracha is dot. The Zohar says, the Tikkun Zohar says, this is hinted to in the four letters for the word Baruch, Baruch, Bet, Resh, Vav, Chav. It stands for the Tikkuni Zohar, it's like a chidus, it's from the Zohar, okay? It's a serious, head-on, major Torah here. Birkot, Birchot, Rosh, the blessings of the mind, of the intellect, the brain, being the source the source of everything. Meaning, the main bracha is the wisdom of Hashem. So going back, Rabbi Shubin Hananiah said, the way to tap into the infinite light is through the hands, the concept of bracha. They said to him, Who says, Who says you're right? What are you telling me? That this is the center of the universe. Who says that this is right? So the word yemar can mean who says, mi like in Hebrew, or an exchange. The word for Temura, when you go to Israel, you do Hamarat Matabeah, exchange, rate, Exchanges, money exchange. Hamara means exchange. Parshat Bechukotai. You have all the, the, the laws of arachin at the end of the parsha. Im If you now switch the animal, and if you sanctify one animal, the other one also, you switched it, they're, they're both now, you lost out, you're trying to lose out the Kedusha. Word. It's a Parshat Bechukotai. So Hamara means an exchange. They said to him like this, wait a second, in order for a person to reach bracha in his life, he has to go down, 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 into a domain called the exchanged chambers, Hechal HaTemurot. Hechal hat-murot is what the Zohar, Zohar and the Kabbalah calls the domain of evil. Evil, Yetzarah, he's called the exchange chamber. Why? Because that's how the Yetzarah works. The Yetzarah works by fooling people. If now the comes as of like a Gestapo, with all the guns and he's like, Rrr. I I know I know this is not i i I'm gonna run away, I'm not gonna face the challenge. So like Rabbi Nachman says, the comes with a big strong, big fine payas, he comes with a nice bekeshay, he comes from within Yiddish Kite, and that's the way he gets people knocked off. In other words, the etzara, he plays a game of the person's imagination. He switches good with evil, he switches pure with impure, holy with unholy, sheker with emmet, truth with, with falsehood. That's how he gets people. No, it's not really like this, it's like that. He gets a person caught up in the trap of the illusions of the imagination. That's why they're so dangerous. And the main goal of the switching of the exchange chambers is to switch a person's simcha to depression. That's the goal. The goal of everything, the goal of even the Avera, getting a person to sin. Like Rabbi Nachman teaches, and it's also in the Gemara, that the Yetzirah, more than the sin itself, his concern is the aftermath, the after effect of the sin, which is what, by most cases, depression. Guilt, I did that, I feel miserable, I'm bleh, and the person is negative, and the negativity leads to more negativity until it's a vicious cycle, and he's trapped in Atsvut, and when a is trapped in Atsvut, the Yetzirah has him, that's it. You know, when a person goes up to heaven, the first question, right? Tzipita Shua. Did you hope for salvation? What do you mean you hope for salvation? On the pshat level, did you hope for Mashiach? But it's, Rav Nachman is to explained, did you hope for your personal salvation? Did you give up? Or did you keep on going? You can have a person who kept on falling until the end of his life, but he kept on going, <laughs> he kept on getting up. We have a joke in Eretz Yisrael that a breast of drink is seven up. Seven up. Sheva ipot tzaddik come, we drink seven up. I fall seven. I fall seven times, but it keeps on getting up. Did you stay rock bottom? Because most people, when they get hit in life, and like Rabbein Tam says in Sefer HaYashar, everybody gets hit in life. Some people at the beginning of their life, some people in the middle, some people at the end. Everybody gets hit in life. The question is how you deal with it, how you continue in the challenge and make it over it. That's the thing. That's idea. Did you see Pita Did you hope for the salvation? Or did you just drop it like everybody else? They say, I'm finished, I'm finished, I'm finished. And like everybody else, walking zombies, They don't have to make movies on zombies where we see we go on, you, go on the bus stop, you go on the train, everybody's a zombie. Everybody's sad. Everybody's atzvit, switch rachim. Okay? So they asked him like this. We know that in order to activate bracha, the key is simcha. Rabbi Nachman teaches that simcha is the key to get to this bracha. But the only way a person can be with simcha is if he's thrown into, against his will, he's thrown into the exchange chambers, which is the deadly challenges that people face, and the panic after effect, and the fear, and the phobia, and everything they're going through, <laughs> oh my God, and that breaks them. And, but yet a person is able to maintain simcha even in the exchange chambers. How? By doing mitzvot with simcha. Because a Jew is unique, And that, wherever he turns, he's always doing a mitzvah. The famous Gemara, the famous what we say every day, Rabbi Chananya ben Akasha, Omer, Ratzak Adosh B'chu Lezakot Et Yisrael, if Torah Mitzvot. Translation: Rabbi Chananya ben says the following: Hashem wanted to give merit to the Jewish people, so how does Hashem give merit? He gave them tons of Torah and Mitzvot. Ibn Nosson asked a good question: That's a merit, that's a burden. Hashem wanted to give merit to Jewish people, she gives them tons of Torah and Mitzvot. That's a burden. It's not. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a merit. He says no, it is a merit because. That a jew has such access to so many mitzvot 24 7 okay whenever a jew turns even even without intention unintentionally he does a mitzvah here that an old lady has to go to the crosswalk he lets her go through or whatever opens the door tiny things which in the world is considered etiquette by us it's a mitzvah you get a credit here credit there everything the very first bir halakha in Bura. if you remember this beautiful beautiful bir halakha starting the mishnaburah where he said the Chafetz Chaim, there are six mitzvot that you can do constantly by thought. Thinking of Hashem like this, like that, you get a mitzvah, you get a mitzvah, just in thinking. You didn't even do it. Thinking and you got a mitzvah like that, okay? So the Jew, whether he likes it or not, he is surrounded with thousands of mitzvot and access, accessibility, every day. So when a person is in the exchange chambers and going through his atzvot and everything, what's his key out? His key out is doing the mitzvot with joy. The joy lifts him up, lifts up the mitzvah. What is the mitzvah, by the way? The, the mitzvah says, I think it's the Ramchal who says this. I'm trying to remember who says this. The Ramchal, uh, not the Ramchal. The word mitzvah in itself has Hashem's name hidden in it. The vav hey of mitzvah is from yud Vavke. vav K. And what's mem Memtsadik Mem Tzaddik is yud K, hidden. How is it hidden? There's what's called atbash. Atbash, the t- t- topic the we take the 22 letters and we fold them like this, fold them in half. So 11 and 11 folded. So that way, the first letter of the alphabet corresponds to the last letter. So Aleph is corresponding to Tav, Bet is Shin, Gimbal is Resh. In that format, Mem corresponds to Yud, of Yud K K, and Tzadik corresponds to Hey of Yud K K. Meaning what, buddy? This is good stuff. When you hold a mitzvah in your hand, we're doing a mitzvah, you are actually holding a kadosh in your hands. It's crazy to say this, but it's Elukut. Oraita, Yisrael, Bekut Shabrihu, Kulachad. The Torah, Am Yisrael, and, the, and Hashem were all one. When you hold a mitzvah, you're holding Hashem in your hand. It's crazy. When you say a bracha, it's drabanan, but it's a mitzvah. The Rabbanan instituted but it, but they have the Koach to make a Mitzvah. That's the Koach of the Chazal. They now a Mitzvah that means it's connect. It's a connector now. You are connecting to God whenever you're doing a Mitzvah. So the thing is that so we have access to of Hashem in our life, how you do it now? Happiness. Happiness is the key to get out. That is the only way out. Like the verse says, "Ki besimcha te through joy, you get out. Get out of what? Not just the pshat of the prophecy in Yeshaya, who's talking about the future redemption, when Mashiach comes, and on, the Jews from Skokie come back there to Israel. You're gonna come with music and singing and joy. That's the pshat. But it goes, where Muslim says, this applies to every junction in life. Whenever you're stuck, you're stuck in something killer, killer. If it's a shidduch problem, a health issue, a chinuch issue, uh, a yetzara issue, whatever, all these funny issues that you're going, issue Sports Illustrated, issue number one, issue five, whatever you're going through, okay? Any issue you're going through, how to get out? It's the simcha, ki be simcha, that's, that's of what? Out of everything. And the best simcha is not, like the pshat is, when you leave, you'll go through with, with, be is accompanied with, here it's be, the prerequisite bed, through the prerequisite of Simcha, you'll get out. Okay? So they asked him again. Who has the chutzpah, the audacity, Mi Yemar? Who has the courage to enter the domain of the exchange chambers and to collect the holiness trapped there, which will lead to the bracha by doing the mitzvot with Simcha? Who can do that? So he answered them. This is what we want to get to today in this class. Aitu ashlei umoshku. You, will, you should bring a cord and measure. How does Rabbi Nachman interpret it? I too, you guys, the nations, the, you, this, the wise men of Athens, you, the Yetzirah, will bring us, the Jewish people, that we're called a cord, we're called Khevel Nachalato, Hashem's cord, rope of inheritance. Why are we called the rope? Because we're made up of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, so we have a triple-folded cord, which is strong, you can't break it, we're strong. So you will bring us Aitu u moshchu, and then that will kill you. The word moschu is medidah, to measure, and the word Medida appears in Tanakh, in Shmuel, when David attacked attacked Moab, and then he laid them on the ground, and then he measured them to kill them. If you remember that famous uh, story in the Tanakh, that he measured, anyone who passed this measurement, they cut off the legs, they cut off. So he measured them from their feet to their head, and he cut them in half, killing all the enemies like that. So medidah means to kill, meaning, Rabbi Shubb said to them, you guys will bring us, and that will be the final destruction of the klipot. Rav Nosin asks a good question. Rabbi Nachman, you didn't answer the question. They asked who has the courage to go into the domain of the evil and elevate the holiness trapped there to reach the bracha through simcha. So he answered, you will in time to come, you will bring a cord, You'll bring us back and you'll be destroyed. He didn't answer the question. did didn't answer the question. So Rav Nussan explains it. Here, Rabbi Nachman's hinting to the most powerful etzah. Last time we were here, we did Oh my darling, you remember? We did Oh my darling, that's one etzah. But sometimes you're so broken, you, you, you look at this funny face and it doesn't make you laugh. <laughs> it doesn't make you laugh. You don't crack up with this funny face. And nothing, this is something you don't know. It's a, it's a prerequisite from last class. You do funny things, you do jokes, it doesn't get you moving. you a so person is so broken and the word, the quote unquote traumatized by what they're going through, nothing gets them moving. So Ravnosen says the main advice how a person can be happy now is he has to borrow the happiness from the future. Once someone asks Ravnosen, I'm so broken in life. I have this and this and this and this and this and this, and this happening. How can I be happy? And if I'm not happy, I can't serve Hashem. I serve Hashem. Besimcha, the verse says. I can't, serve, I can't serve Hashem, I can't be besimcha. Rav told me, you have to borrow the happiness. What's this concept of borrowing the happiness? The future redemption will be totally complete. What does that mean, the totally complete? One second, one second. that means when Mashiach comes, the Hashem and the stages following, the aftermath and everything in the day of judgment, Yom everything's going to be fixed. Everything will be put into place in life. So why are you sad now? If you know, Person Hashem loses a, a family member, loses this, and they're so broken. But wait a second, when you look at the big picture, the final picture, you're just a real, a, a one billionth of a real of the film of 6,000 years. When you look at the whole picture, man, and you see that in the end, everything's gonna be fixed in life. So why are you sad? Because it hurts now a lot. You know why it hurts? Cause you're looking like this. You're looking too close. Push it farther. It's like, for example, you look at something very close. What do you see? Oh, there's a black dot over here. And there's a sparrow over here. I've also paired with their kids. Why are the parents with the kids so tough? Cause they see the kid out like this. Get off, pitch your pants. Put your pants in your... Do Cause you're looking like this. Push farther. It looks better. Push farther, ah, it looks nicer. Okay? When you push it farther, things look better. So here Rav saying, or Rabbi Nachman is explaining, we have to borrow the joy from the future redemption. Look super far. Because when you look super far, everything is great, everything is amazing. Whatever happens in life, I heard a story recently of a mother and daughter, they went through together the entire Holocaust together and they survived. And her secret was she was always cracking up. They brought her to the deportation and the trains and everything. She was non-stop laughing. The Gestapo thought she, the lady's crazy. They didn't want to deal with her even. Say, what are you laughing? The people were sad, everyone's crying. And she was happy. She had a happy attitude on that, right? And she survived with her daughter. She was non-stop cracking up. Why? Because I saw that in the end Hashem's gonna have his way, and at the end I'm laughing because they're gonna get their they're gonna get their their punishment. There was a if you go and I think maybe said it last time I was here, you have on display. On Mount Zion, facing the Diaspora Yeshiva in Yerushalayim, there's the original Yad Vashem. It's called Martef HaShoah, the Chamber of the Holocaust. When the Jewish survivors came to Eretz Yisrael, initially they had this tiny place there. They established, something in 1967, whatever. Okay? Then they moved to the big Yad Vashem. That's today. today. But the, the former Yad Vashem is next to David and Malach's cavern in Yerushalayim. They have there on display amazing things. One thing they have there is a jacket made out of a Sefer Torah. And the story is that the Gestapo asked, forced the tailor to, to make for him, sew for him a jacket from a separate Torah. You hear that, it hurts. But he was smart, the tailor. He took all the curses from Kitavo, Arur, 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 Arur put it on the back. So when the Gestapo put on the jacket, and he's trying to show off what the Jews on the back, Arur, Arur, and they said, that's our, consol- that's our consolation, he's gonna get it in the end. He's gonna get it in the end, okay? So going back, Rav Nosen says, you have to keep your eyes Focused far. You have to look at the end, he says. Look at the final redemption, where everything's gonna be set." Why are you crying? Because it's an immediate pain. So push back a little, push, push back, push, push, push. Go as far as, as the final redemption. Yes, look very far. And he says, more than this, Rav Nassim, this is where we Nachman's telling us, this is the answer. How could a person be happy in the present? Because the problem is, when you, when you face the situation, you try to find a good point, in the situation, the normal is that you get sucked in by the pain and the emotional distress and trauma from the present situation. You try to deal with it, to find the good in it, and it just sucks you into the negative. So what to do, you have to take joy from a different level, a higher plane, and then come back to face the challenge. You take it from the final redemption, yes, you borrow the Simcha from now, from the final picture this is gonna kill me, this is painful, but I know that in the end, everything's gonna work out. And you train yourself to live in a, sim- in a simcha connected to the future. This now shines to the present, okay? So that now when I face the challenge, I'm coming from a good place now. I'm coming from a positive attitude, which I don't have because always when I face the challenge, it sucks me in. It sucks me in because of the negativity. But I'm coming now from a joy that's not dependent on the situation. It's a simcha from a higher level. I'm able to face the challenge now. This is what Rabbi Shimon bin Hananiah answered the, the, the wise men of Athens. You will in the future bring us and be finished. That's my joy. That's how I can, me, that's how I can face the Hecha Latmurot, the exchange chambers, extract the Ketusha there, activate the bracha, and connect to the infinite light, which is the job of every Jew. The wording of the Zohar is again, redifa, machshava lemirdaf abatre, Hashem, inculcated human society that they have a tendency to look for light, right? People are always always looking for the news. What's the latest news? Because people are looking for some light in their life. You can't live without light. And when the comfort is a blockage, you go crazy over it. So everyone needs infinite light. Here the secret is how to connect to the source. All said and done, now on a practical level. Rav Nossim says, this is the secret of Shabbat. Why did Hashem give us Shabbat every week? Shabbat is is a day off. We cut ourselves from this world, from the present, and we connect to the future. What Shabbat? Mein olam haba. It's a taste of the world to come. What does that mean? You say it, you sing it. What does it mean? It's a big word. Mein olam haba means this is from the future joy. This is from the future joy. You have every week a reboot to recharge your simcha, to let go. Nothing. There's a good cholin, the good kegel, fine davening. There's no pressure. If there is pressure, because it's the pressure that I brought in with me to Shabbat. of Shabbat Shabbat. Shabbat Shabbat. Your preparation of Shabbat determines the quality of Shabbat. But Shabbat itself comes down. It's just you, you're coming with the craziness of the week. <laughs> and you come into the David <laughs> still. You can't daven because you're always looking at this, that, because you're always thinking about the, I have to close the deal on Sunday and Monday and this, and then, oh my God, have a court case next week. Person, he brings it into Shabbat. But the thing is, to get it out. Shabbat is built to help you to disconnect. You just have to, unplug the wifi. <laughs> you have to unplug the Wi-Fi and you can disconnect, okay? This, Rabbi Nelson says, is why Shabbat is every week, the six days of the week, which are the six challenges that every Jew faces, the six challenges are like the sixth sedarim of the Mishnah and the three categories, which is three times two is six. Right, we know there's kasher and non-kosher, pure and impure and permissible and forbidden. These are the six categories, corresponding to the six days of the week, that everybody goes through challenges within these categories. You do something which is pure, impure, permissible, forbidden, you're always going nuts of the Yetzirah, who's exchanging, 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 making you upside down in your life. Shabbat comes, oh, it's a day to detach. It's built that if you really want, you can connect to the joy of Shabbat, which is the joy of the future world. Rabbi Nachman said once that Shabbat is like an unbelievable wedding, with tons of music and tons of dancing and tons of food and everything, and you're standing outside behind the wall with a little tiny crack that allows you to see through the crack to see what's happening. But you need a schut, he says, to see in the crack. So too that the joy of Shabbat is like that big wedding, but you need a schut to have your eye be able to tap into that simcha, yeah, but it's there, you have to work on it. So Rav Nossan says, Shabbat mode is the best mode, it's a, a switch mode, of Shabbat mentality, Shabbat attitude, is how a Jew can connect to this joy of the future. And Rav Nossin promises, he says it a few times, that if you succeed in having true happiness, and this is an example of true happiness, and then you face your challenge with this happiness, this happiness creates possibilities and openings that weren't there before. The simcha that you have generates an opening. You remember the story you told last time, Rav and Rav Melech. I'll go over it again quickly for those who didn't hear, that Rav Zusha and Rav Melech of Lezhensk, the two brothers, they came to a village that there was a curfew and they came incognito, undercover, it was a time that these tzaddikim, for the tikkunim they had to do, they came undercover, okay? So no one knew who they were, and they arrived quarter to nine before the curfew. The curfew was at 9 p.m. Anyone on the streets, the police would arrest them, even though they were innocent until the morning. In the morning, they check out the documents, who we are, what are you doing here, okay. So quarter to nine, they get there. There's no Ahsania. They didn't set up Ahanasat Orchim. Nothing was set up. So they're at nine o'clock, 9 p.m., they're on the streets, and the police see them, they arrest them. The police take them in, and they bring them to jail. No one knows who they are. They come to the jail cell. It's a big room with mattresses all around and there's a toilet in the middle. The bathroom is in the middle of the room, okay? Which means you can't dive in, you can't learn, you can't do anything because of the stench. So, Rav Re- 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 Melech was broken. Rav Re- Zusha was always the happy brother, Rav Re- 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 Zusha, right, the happy Rav Re- He saw his brother, my brother! What's wrong, what's master? Why are you so sad? So he said, Look, I can't in, I can't learn, I can't do anything. It's worse than Geinan. At least in Geinan, you can cry out to Hashem. Yeah, I can't even in, nothing. I can't because the smell, and the stench, and because it's called, it's called the graf shalrei in halacha. So you can't talk and learn in front of a toilet. So Rav Zusha said, my super duper perfect 100% brother, Rav Zusha, who's never missed a mirev in his life, Never missed anything good. Hashem is giving you the opportunity first time to do the halacha like this. Like what? Shohan says clearly. They wanted Jews in such a situation and comes time to Davin or Kriachma Mariv, and now you can't, you can't do it because of the, the toilet in front of you. So halakha says, you say in your heart, I want to do your will, but the situation does not allow me to do so. Let it be considered your will, Hashem, as if it's the famous Keilu as if I did it. And the halacha says, you are accredited as if you dove in, as if you did Kriyat So my super duper brother, that never missed a marab in his life, Hashem wants you to do the halacha like this. He wants you to do the Kriyat like this. You should be the happiest person in the world. And he said, you know, you're right. And he started dancing and dancing, and they're really happy, because you got him got hyped up, and all the people, all the goyim and the yidin in the, in the cell are looking at these two Jews dancing, so they took them, every, they took all their hands and made a big giant circle around the toilet. They're all dancing and singing. They're, they're, they're cracking up and they're cracking up. They're cracking up because they know why they're cracking up. but They know why they're happy. So they made so much noise that the warden, the warden of the jail came and said, what's this noise, what's this noise? They told him it's because of the toilet. He said, oh really? So he opened the cell, he went in, he took out the toilet. So after five, five 10 minutes, the smell went away. told Now you can dive in. Meaning what? Who would have imagined this could happen? But what brought it to happen, was the joy created a solution that wasn't there in the first place. So this idea of no develops. It says, ki With joy, you can get out. Get out of what? Out of everything. Out of everything. Whenever you're stuck, the simcha is what can bring you out. Now how to be b'simcha, that's what we spoke about. Okay, this was the first part of the class. We have nine minutes or eight minutes. Let's quickly get to the next point. I present to all of you, based on everything we said now, a 40-day challenge. Everything I said from A to Z is taken and based on Rabbi Nachman's lesson, Likute Moran, lesson 24. Everything I said now was from this lesson and the commentaries on this lesson. How does Likute Moran work? This book is absolutely fascinating and different than any other Torah book, different than the Gemara, different than Mishnah, Chumash. Why? This book is kind of scary in that As you learn it, it begins to activate changes in your life. In other words, things begin to pop up that weren't there before and that are connected directly to what you're learning in the lesson. As you're learning them, things begin to change. We can't explain examples because it's each one. Kol khad kfumad shair Each person according to what they experience. Uh, their, their, Their personal perspective. But this can't be given over. It's something that when you taste it, it's absolutely phenomenal. There's no other book like that in the world. All Torah is really like that, Gemara is like that, Zohar is like that, Midrash is like that, but we don't have eyesight of Tzaddikim, the Tzaddikim, when they see a Daf here, they can connect everything happening in the world with the Gemara, they see it open, the Torah is open for them. When they learn Midrash, Chumash, Parsha of the Week, they can see everything happening. But we, Amecha, we can't see that. This is chassidut, and in particular Rabbi Nachman's Hasidut, is that they take the highest levels of the Torah and they bring it down to you. When you learn Gemara, you have to struggle to learn it. When you learn Mishnah, you have to... When you have a set of Torah, you are going towards the Torah. Here, Hasidu takes it and brings it to you. So this is something phenomenal. When learning the Likutei Moran, the more you learn it, the more you activate it in your life. Okay? But, okay, so what? I want change. I want to become a better person. If I'm learning this book, it's because i to become a better person. The next stage is to do what's called La'asot mitorot, tefilot, taking teachings of tzaddikim and then rephrasing it, redeciphering it in prayer format, these types of prayers go a long way. There's only two books in our Torah structure that have prayers built on them. We have number one, the five books of the Chumash, Bereshit Shmot, Vayikra, Bamidba, have on them the five books of Tehillim. The Gemara says that. King David and the Tzaddikim together with him composed the five books of Tehillim on the five books of the Chumash. What does that mean? That means all of King David's prayers and supplications and entreaties in Tehillim is to fulfill what's written in the five books of the Chumash. The only other book that we have that has prayers on them is Rabbi Nachman's Likute Moran and the prayers that he, he, he guided, he instructed his disciple, Rabbi Natan, to write the prayers on the Kute maran These prayers are unique. It's not like the Shacharid Min Khamarev and saying him. These prayers, they open up right at you. If you read them with an honesty and a sincerity, and you know what you're saying, obviously, if you should mean in English, for example, you see that he's opening you up. He's explaining you who you are exactly. There's no other prayer book like this in the world. In fact, Rav Nossin once said, for every day that people don't say these prayers, they're going to give a deen v'cheshbon. They're going to give an accounting. He did not say this on, you would think, Rabbi Nachman's Likute Maran, Likute Maran. He didn't say this on Rabbi Nachman's Likutei He said on these prayers. Because these prayers is the practical application from potential to actual of these teachings. To just compare what it can be compared to. In an analogy, someone, God forbid, has, a, has, a, has an infection, a skin infection on his elbow, let's say, on his left elbow, and he goes, and he waits a long time to finally get 500 bucks to buy a special, special cream that is a, an antidote, a healing for this infection. So finally, he buys the cream. The, the, the guy he comes out of the pharmacy. I have the cream. I have the cream. You idiot! Apply to the <laughs> apply to the wound. Okay, you first stage, Bravo, Square. You got it. Now squeeze it on the on the wound. So too, Lekutimoran activates the spiritual healing that you need in your life. If it's like what we're talking about today, coming to Simcha from the future, okay? Coming to Simcha to get out of the exchange chambers that you're trapped in. This Simcha, I need it activated. Okay, the the lesson activates the healing, and the diving about it puts it on the right spot. We have prepared here two PDF files. The one is a 40-day, that's a Google chart, 40-day challenge. Why 40? 40 is always a unit to get things moving. We saw that two weeks ago in the parsha, Moshe Rabbeinu says, "I in for you, Jewish people, arba'im yom, varba'im laila, forty days, forty nights. I didn't eat bread, I didn't drink, and at, after, at the end of forty days, elu, Hashem said to forgiven.' From this we learn out, forty is a unit. Rav Nosson also once said that the best way to get something moving in life is to in about it for forty days straight. Period. Okay. So we developed a forty-day challenge, taking Rabbi Nachman's lesson in Likute Moran, and the prayer, that's the second PDF. We have the entire lesson translated to English, Hebrew and English, and the prayer in Hebrew and English, okay? But we did not use the actual Likute Moran. We used Rav nosin's abridged Likute Moran, why? Rabbi Nachman's Likute Moran, where he says an idea, and then he brings proofs to his idea. When you learn it, you get carried away, trying to understand how the proof fits into the idea, and you spend too much time learning it. So even though you're learning it with the right intent, you'll get lost on the point. The point is to apply it. So Rav Nossin, in the at one Rabbi Nachman told Rav Nossin, I want you to range all the points in practical format, point, point, point from the lesson, and have it written down. Learning about them activates it also. That's how powerful these books are. Learning them, we've divided, we, again, a 40-day chart, how to do it, Please contact me. It's a free of charge. It's not that thing. It's Zikwele Okay. What? WhatsApp. And also, people are listening. We're not on your WhatsApp. So, uh, for the whole world to listen, it's by or by email Therapy, B R E S L O V, therapy at gmail.com. Or the WhatsApp number is an American number, plus one, seven three two, eight hundred one eight six three. It's my wish that all of you, for those who've started, but those who don't have not yet, to really give Rabbi Nachman a chance to open you up, to open up parts of your nashama that you didn't know were there, parts of energy and koch that you have that you're not using, and chaval, and you can be helped easily. It's at the tip of your fingers if you just activate the right dots and coordinates, and this is what a tzaddik is, is for. A tzaddik is to help you, guide you to find the right dots. Here at Sun, it's my wish that you should use this lesson. It's a 40-day challenge, by the way, to see the right changes come up or be other changes come up, or see enough changes come up that convince you want to continue with this lesson for another 40 days, and then we'll make another 40 day challenge, fine. But it's my wish that you taste what I've tasted, I've been doing this for 28 years already, 28 years. If I've gone somewhere, I, I don't know if I have anything, but if I've gone somewhere, it's only because of this. And here at Son, you should experience Rabbi Nachman and Rabbi Nossin at a deeper, intimate level, abreast of that you have no idea existed, and to activate it and to see the good changes until we can all be the people who we really are. And in our context, to be truly happy and to bring Mashiach. Because Mashiach will come not out of fear and with the tshuva and goken, oh my God. Those people try to scare you with that out of Mashiach? X, X. Because the worry that they cause you and the sadness they cause you can get you nowhere. You try to do tshuva out of fear, you crash. We want to do tshuva out of Ahava. Tshuva out of fear we had already at Har Sinai. Tshuva out of love, we had it pouring. And the final completion of Tshuva out of love will be when Mashiach comes. So we have to work towards that end. Keep a simcha titsim, which we zoch to have the simcha and activate it.